this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Na 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 na. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to week 15 of the Pink Locker Room Talk podcast coming from Studio 1A here in Chicago, Illinois. It's snowing outside, John. How are you feeling? Well, usually I come over here and you're all crabby. Yeah. Parking tickets, moving violations, Iowa losses, court case. Today, I leave my house 45 degrees, sunny. Yep. I drive 45 minutes, all of a sudden it's a blizzard. Drove into a blizzard. So you're the one to be grumpy today. I'm not in the greatest of moods. Grandpa Crawfish. I said get off my lawn now. Anyway, we are here this week to preview Iowa's bowl game against the mighty Boston College Eagles. Waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting for the bowl game. It's kind of a miserable wait. You know, we had the awards last week, which, you know, gives us a smidgen of football news, just enough to satisfy the fix, but now it's just a waiting game until the bowl games get here. Before we get into that, we want to thank DJK yep. for coming on our last podcast. We got a lot of feedback and positive feedback around uh, DJK's visit. But the special guests keep on rolling. Today. Today. Later on. So DJ show. DJK. Has yep. the second most catches of anybody in Iowa history. Do you know who has the most? Kevante Martin Manley. Our guest. Kimber. Kevante Martin Manley. Stop him by. Stop him by the pod. Hawkeyes. Do you want to have a cheers? Yeah. Let's Should have, we have cheers. a cheers, Rick. What do you want to cheers to? I want to cheers to the Balladers. For the All-American consensus. They got it right. They got it right. Two Iowa Hawkeyes came out today. Josie Jewell, Josh Jackson. Consensus All-Americans. And I want you asshole Buckus Award D-bags. Listen to this. Because you're still in the locker. Because Josie Jewell, consensus All-American Josie Jewell, was not even a finalist for your stupid award. Two-star from Decorah, Iowa. We're going to talk about two-star with Cavante later. But... What a career. Yeah. Won the Lot Impact Trophy last night. They just keep rolling in for Josie. Consensus All-Americans. You were telling me they were the Number only... 24 and 25 for Consensus All-Americans in Iowa history. Last time a duo for Iowa was Consensus All-Americans was 2003. Who were the two, John? Can you guess? I knew the one was Nate Kading. Yep. And I sh- actually should have known the, the easier one, which big, you had to tell me was Robert Big Robert Gallery. Gallery. Bob Gallery. We... 
I saw him at 808 one time when I was in school. He's a large fellow. He was yep. massive. I also have. I also oh saw him God. at a house party in I college. I think I saw him and Kading together at 808. Yeah. 808, there's a throwback. Nate Kading looks very small next to Bob Gallery. I think most people yes. look very small. We would like to cheers to the Disney Spirit Award. So speaking of Hawkeye Awards, uh, they got the Disney Spirit Award for the wave. Yeah. So the culmination of a great season. Really touching... You know, the interview with the young man who was on there who talked about experiencing the wave from inside the hospital. I think I was, like, crying the entire time, so I couldn't really focus. It get a little dusty. A little dusty. A little dusty with that so situation. He, uh, experienced the from inside the hospital, and then he went down and experienced it, like, giving the wave on the other side. And he got a little emotional on stage, and it was really, he's in permission now, so everything's everything's good with him. So it was a really cool segment. Yeah. Way to be Iowa for doing that whole thing. Seriously, and I it think makes like school look great. There's it more momentum. Get some momentum going into next and the, year. And the most, and the most, I mean, the fact, like the impact you see it has on the kids that are up there. Like, did you see too? There was a a kid on Twitter that sent in thirty one dollars and one cent, or thirty four dollars and four cents, or something, of their own money, like a nine year old. And said, after watching that, I knew that these kids needed it more than mine. So then now there are people saying, hey, if, if she can do it, you can do it. And now they're raising all even more money. It's so awesome. Go, Iowa, go. Yep. On a negative note, we have to, we have more awards to shove in the locker. The Buckus Award is going to have to make room. Yep. Do you know why? Because <laughs> of Thorpe Award. The Thorpe Award. I think that Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, great player. No one's going to sit here and say he's not a first-team All-American. The statistics alone, Josh Jackson had a much better statistical season than Minka Fitzpatrick did. Yeah, Minka just got on the name, and the fact that he went to Alabama. So, award. So we're either winning awards or you're going into locker. Those are exactly. basically Those are the, two the only two outcomes. Those are the two options. Uh, before we talk about the Iowa Bowl game, should we have the Nebraska Bowl preview? Yes, let's go to our Nebraska corner for the week. And, John, let's uh, start with you for our Nebraska Bowl preview. Okay, short and sweet. That to was the great. Point. All right. Good for you, <laughs> On to the Iowa Frost. Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> On to the Iowa Bowl game. Yep, Iowa faces BC, Boston College, uh, the Eagles, known only really in football or sports or anything for Doug Flutie playing there. And that's pretty much it. But let's talk about these BC Eagles, John. What do you uh, What do you see from BC? The pinstripe ball. The pinstripe ball. Uh, well, before we get into BC, I want to say a couple of things about stats. I've been having a lot of stats in this whole thing. This game, there's a lot of season and career stats that could be broken by uh, a number of Iowa Hawkeyes. Do tell. Josh Jackson, first of all. Your guy. He needs one interception to tie the school record. Eight, right? He has yeah. seven. He, he has one seven. more. Eight. One with eight would tie him. Two would be the all-time fleet. Nate Stanley. Your other guy. Yep. Two touchdowns away from tying Chuck Long at 27 for the all-time. How can you not listen to that stat and be in awe of what he accomplished as a true Fantastic. sophomore? Hope he gets him. Hope he gets two so they tie. Josie Jewell. Your other third guy. Mm-hmm. Nine tackles for fourth all-time. I think you should probably get it. Akram Wadley. Two touchdowns to tie Tavian Banks at 36. Three would put him an all-time from scrimmage touchdown leader in Iowa football history 
which is crazy to think that Akramov is two touchdowns away. That, that one kind of shocked me. Yeah. Last, Kirk Ferentz. Hayden Fry has 143 wins at Iowa. Kirk Ferentz has 142. One went away. Can tie Hayden with a bull win. So, there are a lot of personal statistical things on the line. That being said, the football game itself, Rick, what, let me guess. Iowa's going to win by a million because they're Iowa and the other team is not Iowa. Well, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> did I, I, wouldn't put it, that? I wouldn't put it exactly like that, <laughs> but yes, I do think Iowa's going to win this game. Shocker, shocker. The question is not if, it's why. What? Why is Iowa going to win? So, I first of all, I look at the schedule that BC's played this year, and... The only decent teams they've played, they've lost to. Their best wins are against six and six Florida State and Louisville. Louisville, who sucks? They beat Louisville. They beat Florida State. Yeah, that's it. They lost to NC State by three. Yep. I don't know. They've won five out of their last six. I just think that this game has all the feeling, uh, the narrative around. Oh, it's a low, lowly ACC team, and blah 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 blah. And we're just going to go in there and roll. We don't. We haven't been playing well away from home. I'm nervous. I think this is a very evenly matched football game with very evenly matched teams. I don't think BC is going to be able to go toe for toe in the trench with Iowa. They're going to try. That's good. It's because they're going to try to play in the mud, right? Could they're be try to play in the mud. I mean, the the person I'm most looking forward to seeing, and I think you're going to agree with me on this, on BC's team is AJ Dillon, who is a true freshman running back. Who, he has some crazy stats in the last half of this year. He's 242 pounds, first of all. Yes. That's a large man, 242. From week five on, A.J. Dillon rushed for 1,254 yards. Yeah. <laughs> One th- from week five on. Right. So, and what, we're just going to line up and BC stop BC scored 28 points in six of their seven games during that time. They're 5-1 and one in their last six. The BC has two players on the... Um, all freshman team in the country. And I think the second one is going to be a big reason why they're going to have some trouble with Iowa, and that's because their center, a guy named Ben Petrula, is also a true freshman who's playing this. And now, yes, the kid is an all-American freshman, if you want to call it that, but I think that's when the difficulty is going to be happening because I think technique-wise he's not going to be in a position. Size-wise he's not going to be in a position to really contain Iowa's players, and I think that's going to be kind of the running theme along the line. But I'm excited to see A.J. Dillon. Boston College is a top 20 defense in yards per play. They're not a, that coach, what's his name, Adazio? Yep. Uh, I think he's a good coach. Speaking of coaches, so too. Thinking of, speaking of coaches, their defensive coordinator is familiar face Jim Reed. Jim Reed. Who was the linebacker's coach. Right, just a couple years ago at Iowa, and yep. left Iowa to take that job. So he has watched Iowa and is familiar with the system. I don't know, which is scary because if you are familiar with that, I mean, it's not hard. Well, it's not it's not hard to prepare for Iowa. Do you think that Jim's going to be able to read the place? <laughs> Sorry, I think he will. Yeah, I'm nervous. I it just has all the feeling, right? It's it's a very hard place for all that we're going to talk about this in Love It or Leave It, but it's a hard place for Iowa fans to get in a bad day at a bad time 
for Boston College fans, it's a train ride, right? It's easy. There's no hotel. It could be a very heavy Boston College crowd. It could be a, a one it's of these games. Be. Well, it could be a game, too, that the weather sucks, and then Kirk's going to try to 9-6 it like he did against Purdue, and we're going to get a punting war with Boston College. Do you want to be in a punting war? I don't want to be in a punting war with anybody. That's what I'm saying, Rick. There's punters. a lot of different ways. I, the more and more I think about this game, I come up with more ways that we lose it than we do that we win it. I just I can't think. It's I, I'm nervous about it. Plus, we don't have this like great track record of bowl performance. It's not like we've been lately. Yeah, lately, lately. seven Kirk, in a row. No, Kirk, it's not seven. In a row. Seven years, it's five in a row. It's seven years, right? Yes. Okay. So Kirk, before that, years. he was very good at bowls. So they just got to tap into that and find that. I'm not sitting there saying we should be a huge underdog. Like I think it's a very even matchup, but there's a lot of the little t- things that just make me nervous. I think a largely one-dimensional team, and if they can shut down the run, make them beat us through the air, then I think it's going to be hard for them yeah. to accomplish. Boston College did try to – they ran it 64 or 63% of the time this year. So if Iowa sells out to the run and Boston College can't run it, I do kind of agree with you that they're not going to throw – I don't know. So – this could be a really ugly one. Like, yeah. it could be really low scoring, yeah. really ugly. One of those games that sets football back several oh, years. Oh, man. But Kirk Ferentz likes it. We're in the mud, right? Really. Yeah. There's nothing better than being American. So, I mean, this is the greatest feeling. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. Love it or leave it. So, first of all, I want to talk about the pinstripe bowl in general. So, Iowa fans... Very negative. Very negative about the Iowa fans in general are leaving the pinch right bowl. And I don't mean just attending. I'm not talking about just going. I'm talking about in general, the concept, the location, the time, factoring in everything there is to factor in about the pinch right bowl. Yankee Stadium, are you loving it or leaving the pinch right bowl? I'm leaving the pinch right bowl. So you are on board with the rest. I am on board with the unwashed S- masses of Iowa fans. Sell me on why. I just know. What, what's the, what's, what's, why are you selling it? Why are you leaving? So it? playing in Yankee Stadium, I don't really care about. You don't think I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that it's a very new bowl. It's not historic at all. It doesn't have any cachet. Well, it's not the Rose Bowl. No, but it, I'm not, there's different, like, you know, the Alamo Bowl, like Citrus Bowl. I mean, these are all bowls that, yeah. you know, came from something. This just, like. It's a money got, grab. It's a money grab. Bowl. Sure. Absolutely. It's a, a money, money grab, grab bowl. bowl. I. I don't love New York City personally. Yeah, me I don't. People in the Northeast, you just are under the assumption that the droves of Boston College fans are going to be oh, in mass going down 95 from Boston <laughs> to I'm New York. I'm just saying it's easy for them to go. Going. It's just there's there's not. And then I pulled up some attendance. Will there be more Boston started. College fans or more Iowa fans in attendance? I think it'll be close to 50-50. Yeah, see, I don't. It'll be close to 50-50. Well, before... Boston College does not have that many fans. They're home games. They get 22,000 people. So, I'm going to... I mean, they got 22,000. I'm loving the bowl. And I'm doing this as a relative basis. It is a money grab bowl. It's not... Obviously, it's not my preferred bowl. I think that going to New York City for these kids is cool. Like, if you look at the bowl experience for the kids... Going to New York City, ringing the stock exchange bell, going a lot of these kids from Ireland. Apparently, apparently Nathan Budget is like terrified. This is cool. Like, terrified. I'm telling you right now, it's cool for them to go there. All right. Second of all, playing in Yankee Stadium to me is kind of a cool thing. Like better than going and playing the Tennessee Titans Stadium. And like, who cares? All right. I don't know. I'm not saying it's great, but I don't see the hatred towards playing it in the Yankee Stadium. I would love to go if I lived in. It's New a York Wednesday. It's also a Wednesday game at 4:15 p.m. But so would be the game in San Diego. Would it be a Thursday game yeah, at 4:15. San, San Diego is just great. Yeah, but see, that's you can't use the 
time argument for the bowl that you like the weather better. You have to is if the time sucks, then the time sucks for all three of those. And we're playing against a team without like I kind of like the matchup. Much respect to BC, but we're playing against a team without any historical. I don't mind the matchup. I don't mind the bowl. I don't think it's. I think it's kind of a cool. I don't want to go back again, right? Like I'm not saying like I want to make a yearly trip to the Pinstripe Bowl, but I think it's getting an unfair. You if if you if we decide to go to the Pinstripe Bowl, we would have a lot of fun. I don't hate it. I think it's going to be a an ugly football game. It's going to be an ugly football. So game. the other love it, I leave it heads. Will Iowa fans show up? And I guess then we have to define show up. I mean, they've sold a thousand tickets, which is that's terrible. One thousand tickets. One thousand tickets. Okay. Terrible. That's, that's not great. That's Gary Barter said there's twenty thousand alumni on the East Coast. Do you think that Iowa fans show up for this? They're, notoriously, we travel better than anybody. I get the argument against it is it's two days after Christmas, and it's really expensive. Yeah. And I get that. I think that's the thing that's going to keep a lot of like, you know, diehard Iowa diehard fans. Iowa fans from going. I mean, it's it's a few thousand. The dollars weather does trip. the weather matter? The fact that it's cold. I think that matters. I think that so adds all into of them matter a little bit. And the end result is nobody shows up. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you, but I hate it. I don't want to agree with you. I wanted to love it. Iowa fans showing up, but everything I'm saying is just looking like that's not going to happen. So, again, another little minor thing that. A dead environment is not. We have not played well in dead. We have not played well in dead environments, like Northwestern and such. So, pick to click. It's a tie. Yep. So it's winner take all. We decided to hit reset, and you just get one one choice. One choice. We're gonna let you go first. I want you to go first because I'm actually I just am toiling between two people. I'm going to take Josie Jewell. All right. And I'm going to do so because I think he might have like 17 tackles because they're just going to run it, and it's his last game, and I just don't see him playing anything but stellar. Safe pick. This is as safe as I a mean, safe my, pick my can pick's be. safe, too. So I, I, I want to go Ekram Wadley. Like, he's – because I think he is going to have a really good game. It's close to home for him, right? He's from New Jersey. From New Jersey. Ooh. And plus, he's he's also like gonna have a lot of eyes on him NFL draft wise. So I think a big performance for him would be good. Part of me also wants to take Noah Fant because I think he's gonna be a matchup nightmare for a team like Boston. College. I love how our listeners get to hear in action how you lose. It's great how you come in and talk yourself. You can't decide one of these guys. Whichever one you don't pick is who I'd like to also pick. <laughs> is that possible? I'm going with Akron. Akram against Josie. Akram two against seniors, Josie. last two games. Obvious, yes. The two most obvious picks it. ever. I love it. Reasons to hate BC? Yes. Then I just hate you, and I hate your ass face. Well, I got a couple of reasons to hate BC. One, Chris O'Donnell apparently went there. And I always thought Chris O'Donnell was a total toolbox. I don't think actor. I know who Chris O'Donnell is. Is that the guy Son of a Woman? I haven't seen Son of a Woman, so I'm not sure. Hold on. If you you're an asshole if you've never seen. Well, I'm an asshole. That's insane. Just you need to watch the airplane scene where Al Pacino explains stuff to on an airplane to Chris O'Donnell as a young lad. Okay, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And it, it's fantastic, Al Pacino, as an Italian guy. The fact that I, I have to explain this to you is a problem. Your father and mother, if you're listening, should be ashamed. Son of a woman. Reason number two for me is. Boston College is not in Boston. <laughs> this is a good one. I it's like in, this. It's in Newton. 
Yeah, I've never been there. But it is but not. I definitely know it's not. It is not. not Boston, Boston College is not. It's in Boston. Newton. It pays. It pays taxes to a different town. Is it like every other school now, where they have the downtown Boston branch of Boston? I'm sure they have sure, a downtown sure, Boston sure, branch, sure. but I'm not really sure. And my final reason, a uh, good buddy of mine I work with, Mike Cooney, went to Boston College for both undergrad and law school. We're gonna make a little bet on this game, and the reason I hate because of him is because he's like one of those guys that like, you know, pretty good looking, really nice guy, comes from like. You know, his family, like his dad's a successful lawyer, hard worker. He's just one of those guys that, like, I want to find something I hate about him. But, I, you know, he's, like, took us to a Bulls game last year. Just a great guy. But I just want to hate him. Are you done with your I hate him. Match.com sales pitch to this gentleman? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> he's shitty at betting. I've won a couple of bets well, I, on Iowa football against him. So. You've led us nicely into our final segment, Rick. The gambling challenge. He beats me. Straight up, pay him, pay that man his money. We're going to, just for fun, talk about this for a minute, but I, I think it's, we don't even need to talk about it, do we? No. You would take Iowa, I would not. Yeah. My bet would be Boston. I might, this, Brandon mentioned the emotional hedge a couple of uh, podcasts ago. Uh, this is a prime emotional hedge. Is you take Boston College, a little bit of money on the money line, to Iowa to lose outright. So, you know, if we come out and win, you lose a little money. But, hey, Iowa won the ball game. Good day. If if I hate the Iowa gets blown out and we, we're losing, it's like, hey, well, they're going to be like plus 160 because they're an underdog Boston College, so you get paid extra value. It's a good bet. I hate the emotional hedge. Yeah. Says the guy who's with $0 in the challenge. Yes. Yes. It's time, Rick, for our next guest. It is time. Cavante Martin-Manley, who is the owner co-founder of twostarclothing.com. Two-star represents world's underrated overachievers. Uh, We can all relate to being doubted, misguided, told that we can't achieve what we want to in our lifetime. Two stars will do anything we put our minds and efforts towards. Odds or opportunities earn the fifth. And I can say I came across Cavante's clothing line in Iowa City where I saw somebody wearing, it had the five recruiting stars, but only two were filled in. Uh, This is a pretty cool t-shirt. He's also got some new designs, sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats, water bottles, all kinds of good stuff. So go check out twostarclothing.com. Uh, you can follow Cavante on Twitter at, at KMM underscore 11. All right, we'd like to introduce our very special guest, Cavante Martin Manley. He has the most catches in Iowa history, the 174. He's the only guy in Iowa history to return back-to-back punt returns for touchdowns. Did you know that, Cavante? Um, yes, I think I did know Good. that. Yeah. <laughs> we just, like, well, we were, you know, right before we called you up, we actually watched YouTube highlights and saw the uh, back-to-back punt returns, and it was it was goddamn beautiful. I just love to say that. Oh, yeah, man. It was, it was ecstatic. That, that moment was definitely kind of one of my, my picture, picture moments in my mind when I think about my career. Cool. The first thing we want to talk about, uh, Cavante, is we talked to Ron Caluzzi about this and also DJK last time about kind of their path to Iowa. So, you know, Caluzzi is a kicker. He's kind of recruiting a school. DJK was kind of hoping to go to Ohio State and kind of fell into Iowa with Ken O'Keefe's relationship. What was your path to Iowa and what did that look like? Who was your contact and how did you get to Iowa? Um, well, I was training with Playmakers U back in Pontiac, Michigan. And uh, Ron Bellamy, who was he, he played at the University of Michigan, 
Um, he came back to coach, and Coach Campbell, he played for him at Michigan. So training with Playmakers U, um, Ron came in, and he made the call, said, hey, I got a kid that you really like, you know, um, you know, just hard, hard work and things like that. And Coach Campbell called me. Um, they had, like, maybe one or two wide receiver spots open that year. That uh, they brought me in for the visit, and you know I seen it. Hey, it was uh, once I came on my visit, I committed, and that's all she wrote. So, you played your freshman year. Did you know you were going to play going in when 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 you got here, or did, were, was it kind of up in the air? Um, well, no, I I, I will say I, I I was pretty confident um, at where I was on the depth chart, but. You know, it's, it's nothing's ever guaranteed, you know, playing that sport. It's kind of a really day-to-day type deal, play-to-play as well, you know. So, um, you know, I, I would say no. I, I had to go in and earn everything every day, you know, just like, you know, all, all the other people we were competing with um, on team and, you know, conference, country, everything. So, Coach Campbell, I know DJK referenced him too and said that when he came on board with I, he really kind of changed things. Can you speak a little bit to – you know, what he kind of contributed to you in the program and, and what, what he helped you with? Yeah, uh, first off, he's he's a great, he's a great man um, to start off with. You know, he when I, when I first met him, um, you know, I wasn't sure about it. But I was committed to Bowling Green and, you know, I had to get a good feel. And when I first met him, you know, it was it was, it was kind of a, a no-brainer for me. I'm a great guy um, when it comes to coaching. He was a, a an unbelievable coach, um, great technician, and you know, he, he coached a lot of record holders at Iowa that, that still stands today. And he, what he was able to do for me and for the program was uh, was really astounding with uh, a lot of even guys he recruited to. And you, you, you kind of think about that. You know, I, I kind of look back on Eric Campbell and I think about, you know, you, DJK, and Marvin McNutt, like three of the best receivers in Iowa history were all coached up by him. And I think, so Campbell had a pretty, do you think he had a pretty big impact on the player you became? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just, just, just coming there. Um, my confidence. Um, you know, me knowing I was going to play with him and for him, it, it motivated me. You know, he, the guy I used to talk about in the room, uh, Braylon Edwards, the Mario Manningham, Jason Avanch. You know, just um, guys like that. Even guys from Iowa that I was able to see, like Marvin, like you alluded to, and DJK. Um, you know, it, it was just, a, it was really, truly a blessing for me to, um, to experience that in, in coaching. And I grew up a Michigan fan, so it was pretty ironic how, how, how that all worked out for me to, um, to come play with him. And then, you know, we talked about Campbell and then I think about halfway through, was it between your sophomore and junior year when they did the, uh, O'Keefe to Greg Davis change and then Greg Davis kind of brought in, um, his yeah. guys, is that when that change happened? Yep, that's when it was right, right in the middle, middle of my career. Oh, it was it was a pretty tough change um, for me, but you know we made it we made it work. Coach Coach Kennedy and uh, Coach Davis, you know they brought they brought their chemistry and, and brought their knowledge and, and really helped us. Now you still put up you still put up great numbers, but the offense as a whole kind of I mean there was obviously a bit of a setback. Everybody was adjusting to a new system in the mix between, you know, Kirk Ferentz's zone running offense and the Greg Davis outside stuff, you know, get the receivers in space. Now, was it pretty difficult as, yeah. as a player and as a receiver to take that whole mindset? I mean, how difficult was it to pick up that new system and to really, you know, ingrain yourself in that once Davis came on board? Um, I would say it was it, it was a challenge 
it was uh you know just just personally you're, you're dealing with different people different coaches you know personalities mindsets um so that changed and dealing with something that was so important to us as players um you know just just that change was pretty big and then on the field for receivers um it, it wasn't too big of a change you know um we we still had to run routes and and just read certain coverages but I was saying for the most the most hard it was for our offensive line and uh, James Vandenberg that year, um, you know him learning through O'Keefe and then having to make that switch in between a year. Um, that I think that was pretty hard and I think it all at the end of the day it all showed up um, in our offense. I feel that year, um, you know, just just the changes and and how difficult it was to be productive. Sure. So you're talking about the differences and changes in systems. What? What do you notice in in Brian Ferentz as a play caller and and the offense now compared to let's say the end of your career with Greg Davis? Not more. I wouldn't no. Not more formations. I would say different formations, different looks. Uh, sometimes going with the, with those three tight ends and like motion certain guys, uh, certain motion formations. It's really like small details. Um, but 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 overall, the gist of it, I think, is pretty much the same. So it's a very similar system, just with a couple of tweaks, at least from how you see it. Yeah, that's how I see. It. Yeah. Um, they, since I've graduated, they've changed. You know, since Bryant has been is now the offensive coordinator. He wasn't when I was. So um, right now, it's just a, just a tad. I'm sure it's something different in how they operate from within. But how it is kind of pretty much the same with packages and stuff like that. Now, Brian, play at, play. but Brian came on as an offensive line coach while you were there, right? Yeah, he did. And what was, I guess, what was, I know you probably didn't interact with them all that much, but because yeah. I think he took over the run game coordinator thing, but I guess your kind of general impressions on him, like as a coach, kind of compared to his dad, compared to, you know, just your impressions on him as a coach. Yep. Um, when, when he came in, you know, he definitely had a, a big say so in a lot of things. So, you know, my whole thing, it was just about respect. So um, when he came in, um, he had a lot of respect for me and what I did and brought to brought to that receiving group and receiving core. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty much just that, just respect on the field. Um, you know, I always kept pushing it and, and wanted to do my best, and he saw that in me, and, yeah, we just kept it at that. Yeah, a lot of players seem to love him. So you mentioned you mentioned the um, receiver core. So can you speak a little bit about what you saw this year with our current receiving core, and you know maybe what the development we're hoping to see next year is it Amir Smith Marset? Um, you know, just your thoughts on the current state of the wide receiver group, I guess. Yep, um, I really like those guys. I think they're a talented group. Um, I think I think they're missing. Um, just a little bit of that experience and 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 coming off of that is the confidence that comes with experience. So I think um they they can this next year be big for them, like you say, Amir, um guys like that coming back. You got easily having another year under his belt. Um so yeah, once those guys get 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 comfortable and, and get that experience, that confidence will come and then, then they'll be able to keep getting some malls down the field and making more plays bigger play for ism specifically i know so this will be his first full off season right with the whole program so going from his first year to his second year so did you notice that was a big year for you uh in terms of growth that first full off season oh yeah absolutely um 
me coming into that year, uh, I played a, a lot my first year, and then when I knew I was going to be coming in that second year and, and being under a starting role or be competing for a starting role, um, in my mind, it changed a lot of things for me. You know, how I approached um, study, how I approached um, yeah, just, the, the, just the game in general. Um, because, you you know, you, you got a bigger role and, and it's a great time in your career and all of that. So, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's definitely a big change around that time. And, and we'll see the development in those guys, even in spring ball, I believe. Well, it's kind of, you know, before you get to the spring, looking ahead to this bowl game we got against BC coming up, any thoughts on, you know, what you've seen from the team going into that bowl game? Yeah, their leaders, guys like Akram. Um, I really guys like Josie Jewell. I really think they just did a great job this year and leading the guys, um, you know, to some great victories and, and doing what they can um, as much to, to, to help the team. Yeah, I, I think um, coming up they'll be. I think this will be a big game for for the program um, going in how they come in and how they finish the season because next year. Um, I think they'll be ready to compete for a Big Ten championship. So there's a lot, there's you know, there's a lot of value to that month of practice and development too. You know, back to the development, even having the bowl game, right? Regardless of outcome, is that pretty important thing to jumpstart the spring? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you got younger guys that 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 is their new, their first time um, being in that environment. They got so much to learn. You got the older guys. Some of them, uh, you know, it's their last go round. Some in, their last time playing in college, sometimes some guys lie, there's they're going to play pro. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's so important. Did you know for those guys to finish strong? Did you know Eric Reed? Was he the linebackers coach when you were there? Was Jim Reed. Years? Jim Reed. Jim is Reed, it Jim yeah. Reed? Jim Reed. Yeah. Jim Reed. Jim yes. Reed. You yep. bet. Yep. So is he was the def- he was the linebackers coach is now the, the defensive coordinator for Boston College. Did you have any? You know what? What was your impression of him? Did you run across him at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually often. Um, I, I really like him. He got a great energy to him. Um, <laughs> my my memories of him is, um, you know, Hitch, James Morris, Chris Kirksey. You know, every time those guys make a play, hey, good job, Anthony. You know, just on the sideline, uh, really the most excited coach on the on the field and for him at his age it was impressive so i really like him um, a lot as a coach and as a, as a man too do you ever taunt those guys because djk was telling us when he would score in practice he would throw the ball in Milton parker's cart do you ever taunt reed oh yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> him um coach parker yeah all those guys especially coach parker we we <laughs> we say some words when it's uh when it's one-on-one time in practice who was your favorite guy to like burn in practice uh I would I would say uh, either Sean Prater, Sean Prater and Micah High. I used to enjoy those those two guys. Micah was very, yeah, 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 yeah. Sean Sean was really quick. You know, he talked a lot of stuff, so you had to come with it. And, and Micah was just really quiet, but you knew he could uh, he could pick six from any given time in practice. So it was it was a great challenge, you know, dealing with those guys. Every catch, they made it count. <laughs> you kind of we talked a little bit at the very beginning about uh, that two punt return, back to back punt return game against Western Michigan. I know you said that that's one of your favorite memories. What are your some of your other favorite memories as a Hawkeye? Like favorite game, favorite environment? Like what was kind of the top level for you? 
uh, after the two, after the second touchdown against Pitt, um, the uh, game-winning touchdown. When I caught that and, and got up, the 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 uproar that was it was pretty. <laughs> that was that was pretty. Uh, that was a great feeling. Um, that was my freshman year. Kind of feel like it was like a coming out party for me and you know for people to know who I am and get my college career started. So yeah, I would say that. Well, even just coming out in Kinnick, my first time coming into that locker room and then coming out with the guys for the first time my freshman year, that that was amazing too. Yo, we get chills. Like yeah, I even think, I, like, I think about getting chills <laughs> and then just imagining like what it'd be like for you guys when you come out of the tunnel, mm-hmm. you know, back in blacks playing, and then that's got to be an awesome thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Like you know, just the times where when fans are waiting. Um, you know, at that same time, we, we were waiting and we're putting that work in, and you know that that all caused for for us being anxious and really excited for those moments. And uh, we only get uh, twelve guaranteed games a year, so you know all of that stuff is really special. Now, who is the who is the scariest coach on the staff? Like, who is the coach that you you know did not want to get into a you know, was it Kirk the wor- like the worst one to hear from, or like who was the one like the- when they start yelling at you? It's like, oh shit! Oh yeah, it's definitely Coach Ferentz, uh, big Kirk Kirk Ferentz. Definitely him. Uh, if he's ever yelling at, if if he yells at you in practice, um, you know you didn't you didn't tip you didn't you didn't put in some work for him to get to that point. <laughs> now I'm always curious because he always wears that friggin' uh, he always wears that Christmas hat. You know, at the Christmas practice, you ever get yelled at by him while he was wearing that Christmas hat? Was it like tough not to laugh when that's going on? (laughs) No, that was, uh, I think we were all on his good side then on Christmas. But I remember being in Arizona at the bowl game and him coming out with that. I was like, man, he just got into a fight that week. (laughs) (laughs) What was your least favorite place to play? Like because of, you know, the fans were loud or they were assholes or like what was the worst place to play? Um, I would say probably Purdue. Purdue, <laughs> oh, that's an interesting answer. Jesus, Why Purdue? Really? That shocks yeah. me. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta get in on that a little bit it's more. Like, for me. It's almost like they're, it's like their fans are like, like they, they're obliged to be here. Like they have, they're obligated to be at the game, and it's like their student <laughs> section. They just taunt you just because they have to be at the game. Because they're pissed deal, off you know? they're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because they're there. They're right behind you. So they, they they were talking about smack. I think that was probably like like the most one. Yeah, Purdue. I'm yeah, shocked yeah. right wow. now. I'm section. shocked right now. Not the big house. Because not they're Penn all State. and you heard it from KMR first. All the Purdue fans are forced to be there, and that's why they're so angry, and that's why they're that's why they were taunting so much. I love it. <laughs> you you mentioned growing up a Michigan fan. You yeah, you beat kinda, Michigan then in Kinnick. I beat Michigan in Kinnick. Yeah, oh, that man, was a great feeling. Great. That that was one of. That was a big moment as well. Um, Hitch Hitch um, got a strip late at the end of that game, and that was that was pretty a, a really big moment for him and for us as, as a whole. Yeah, you bring up Hitch. Maybe this is a good transition. So he he kind of helped you found found two star, right? Do you, can you go into kind of two star and what it is and, and and how you got to where you're at? Well, yep. Um, two star was just just conceived by me, in, in my mind. Um, I was just thinking about it, and it was like my second or third year in school. 
Um, I called Hitch one day before practice, middle of the season, and I was like, hey, man, I'm on my way over just to, you know, just to talk. And I asked him, like, hey, you're a two-star recruit, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, me too. If you want to start, like, I was thinking about, like, a clothing brand or something. He's like, all right, cool. And then um, two-star, we just came up with that name right right then and there. Went over to the computer screen, uh, looked up a peace sign with the hands, a star, put it next to it, and got it printed on a shirt. And ever since then, you know, we just evolved from there. Two-star represents um, the underrated overachievers, and our motto is earn the fifth, which is your true desires in life, whatever whatever it is. Right, which I think shares a lot of the value system with the Iowa program, right? I mean, you, you could probably yep. tell me, but just off the top of my head, Josie Jewell, Micah Hyde, Mike Daniels, yourself, Hitchens, yep. um, you know, who else am I forgetting? But there's been a ton of two-star uh, recruits yep. come through Iowa that have really turned into, you know, multi, multi-million dollar contracts, you know, great college yeah, careers absolutely. and such. Who am I missing? Who yep. else is on that list? Give me a couple more. Uh, Sean Green, Brian Balaga, Scott Chandler, Adam Geddes. And then just not even with Iowa, right? I think wasn't like Ed Reed maybe or J.J. Watt. Those guys were, were two-star. Yes, sir. There was a couple of them. Yep. Um, yep. Two-star two nation is really, really heavy. Yeah. Uh, the website is twostarclothing.com, uh, T-W-O-S-T-A-R clothing.com. And you guys just got, I saw some new some new stuff in with, with all the Iowa colors and such, so um, everybody should go check that out. Yes, sir. The last one, we, we got to ask him this, who is like the craziest dude on oh, the yeah. team? Like, who is nuts? Who is like, I don't want to fuck with that guy. Like, who's that, who is that guy on your teams? Oh, let me see. Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels, I could totally not, see that. So we got we got Pat Anger, Mike Daniels, uh, and then who did Kaluzzi Ka- say? He said uh, Kaluzzi said it was Drake Kulik, Drake Kulik, full, yeah. fullback. So, and yeah. all three of those guys, not surprising yeah, at all. Not surprising. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that list. <laughs> like those are three guys I want with me if I have to get in a fight in a dark alley. Oh, yeah, you'll be good with all three of them. <laughs> so, so Daniels was just a monster? I mean, was it a weight room Absolutely. thing? Was it just his personality? What made him so crazy? It, it was, the, it was the, the weight room thing, and then and he, Mike was a wrestler. So if you, you know, if you talk some stuff, he was, he was getting physical right away. Nobody wanted to do with that. <laughs> Wrestling Mike Daniels is literally the it's last terrifying. thing I terrifying. would ever want to do in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Sounds> yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> Well, Cavante, man, really wanted to say thank you very much for taking the time, uh, spending a little bit with us tonight. Cavante Martin Manley, most catches in Iowa football history, now is the operator and founder of twostarclothing.com. And uh, Cavante, thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you so much. All right. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for us for the year 2017. Let's give another thanks to Cavante Martin Manley, Kmart, for uh, giving us some of his time talking yeah. to us about those Iowa Hawkeyes, and this, this is basically the last episode of our first season of Pink Locker Room Yeah, Talk. we have a lot of people to thank, really. Yep. About. Brian Smith for yep. the idea. Yep. Ron Caluzzi. For coming on. DJK for coming DJ on. DJK. Patrick Vint. Ian Moody. Ian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Vint, that's right. Patrick Vint. Cavante. Yep. Drew Bixby. Katie Ovsepian for the artwork. Yep. Uh, it's been a very fun adventure. We got to talk... We got to talk to Ron Caluzzi and tell him that he scored 69 points in a season. That was, that was fun. 
highlights, the season we got, highlights. We got blocked on Twitter by Adrian Claiborne. We did get blocked on Twitter <laughs> we got by blocked. Adrian Claiborne. Yep. Yep. Um, I, mean, I don't think I've ever, I never tweet, so I've never been blocked on Twitter yep. by anybody. You're welcome for Adrian that. Adrian Claiborne yep. found me and blocked me. Um, it's been great. It's been, it's been a, a great year. run. Like I said, we might come back and do a bowl recap podcast, and uh, we might do something around uh, recruiting in the spring but we will not be doing basketball season. We will be back for next football season for sure with yep. an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. As uh, Is that Harbaugh? I think it's a Harbaughism that he probably stole from somebody. I'm sure he did. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening and uh, have a Merry Christmas and. Yeah, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Na 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 na. Go Hawks.